There's a spirit in our land raising up the kind of man with a burning in his heart to be free. Like the preacher man of old, he can't be bought, he can't be sold. What did they preach? They preached liberty to a people who love their liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free. Through the jury, we'll guard our liberty. They called the king into accounting for his disregard of law. Told their people not to yield before his threats. For God established rulers to protect the rights of man and ordained government to fit into his plan to maintain his people's liberty. time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free, through the jury we'll guard our liberty. Such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, exposed tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free, through the jury we'll guard our liberty, liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them at the time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God jury says not guilty we choose to acquit the state was wrong to charge him this law is not fit for a people who love their liberty for a people who will die for liberty greetings ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the voice of liberty this is rick tyler thanking you for tuning in to our broadcast. As we seek to navigate the turbulent waters of the time that we're living in, it is very important that we understand the, the importance or rather the significance of the relationship between 
timeless and eternal truth on the one hand, and of course we find that in the scripture. We find that in the word of God. And what is happening in the world around us on the other hand. In other words, it is very easy for us to be preoccupied with current events, to be news junkies, if you will. We probably, uh, all of us who are in the, the truth movement, uh, for lack of a better term, we are, we're political junkies, we're news junkies, we love to maintain a, a laser-like focus on what is happening in the world around us, throughout our nation, uh, throughout the Western world. Uh, of course, obviously, it is a vast uh, interlocking network of activity in this world that we live in, and it has grown increasingly complex with the advent of modern technology. But nevertheless, there are a finite uh, number of nations, and there are a finite number of, of leading figures in the world today. And so it is something that we can uh, keep the pulse uh, on. We can uh, maintain oversight and analysis. And that's very important because being able to understand the times, as, as the scripture makes reference to, is of critical import and significance. We truly want to be able to understand the times that we are living in while at the same time, while being very attentive uh, to the details of the affairs of the world as they evolve and as they unfold around us, at the same time, it is urgently critical and imperative that we have a foundation rooted in God's Word that enables us to avoid being deceived. We know the Scripture says, Be not deceived. Of course, it says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. But not being deceived is real high up on the, the list of priorities for any truth seeker, for any professing Christian. There's the old saying, so close yet so far. There are many people who know just enough to be dangerous as that old saying goes, they learn a little bit and they get puffed up. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up and they begin to fancy themselves as some kind of authority or expert. And I'm not talking about anybody in particular here. I'm, I'm speaking in broad, uh, generic terms here. Uh, having been involved for many, many, many years in the organized and structured efforts throughout the land to try to bring about and, and hasten and precipitate reform. Uh, having been involved in, in many constructs of activity, I have learned along the way that it's, it's very easy uh, to be deceived. And of course, it's very difficult to convince someone else that they are deceived. Like Mark Twain said, I believe it was. He said it's much easier to deceive a man than to tell a man that he's been deceived. And so we, we are dealing with this reality in our structured and organized efforts. Obviously, we can't get overly organized as a people. First of all, it's just impractical. It just doesn't work out. We are scattered abroad. We are in so many different geographical locations. 
we tend to be spread quite thin uh, in general. If you could get everybody who is a, a devoted hardcore truth seeker together, it would be a formidable group of people, but we're spread so thin that sometimes it's difficult to marshal enough effort and energy of an organized nature to get anything done. And then when you do succeed in getting a lot of like-minded or basically right-thinking people together in one location, then it's very easy for catastrophic things to happen. We look at recently the, the march or the protest demonstration that was held in Washington, D.C. on the 6th of January. A very, very robust and impressive large number of individuals who all had in common, essentially, other than the provocateurs and the infiltrators, but the vast majority of people who came to D.C. on that day, they were very sincere and they had in common their uh, belief in, to some degree or another, uh, the presidency of Donald Trump. They overwhelmingly recognized that the election uh, had been and was being stolen from Donald Trump. They, uh, by and large, had as a common uh, point of agreement that what was getting ready to happen in terms of the, the false presidency of the, the impersonator and imposter who is now occupying the Oval Office, they, they had in common the belief that that was a devastating blow uh, to our once great republic. So you had all of these people coming together to this one geographical point on the map and once they were all together, seemingly something that could be used for such good, i.e. to influence uh, the Senate and the Congress, or at least the people within those bodies that were somewhat legitimate in their outlook and in their intentions, to influence them to do the right thing, which would have been, quite obviously, to summarily reject the Electoral College votes from those states where fraud was abundantly obvious and evident. But instead, what happened on that day, because of the vast and large number of people, it was quite easy for infiltrators, provocateurs, etc., to, to slip in unawares and position themselves in a manner that was able to set the stage for and facilitate a sequence of events that are now being leveraged to plunge us headlong into the next phase, the next planned incremental step toward abject police state type tyranny in America. And of course, I'm speaking of the, the so-called insurrection, the storming of the Capitol. Now, if anybody believes that this somehow was uh, a spontaneous, uh, organic occurrence, then you're very naive, you're very gullible. Obviously, the activities that took place around the Capitol were a complete setup from top to bottom. It was well-planned, well-executed. And of course, it's easy to plan and execute subversive strategies when you have limitless resources to work with, financially speaking. And we know that an age-old problem that we face in our republic or I should say our, our once great republic. It's very arguable that we no longer have a republic, but uh, only the shell, only the form. But an age-old problem in our once great republic is that of legal tender, 
Not lawful money, legal tender. Not Article 1, Section 10, lawful money, but rather the mythological fiat money that is able to be brought into existence by an unconstitutional, illegal, criminal enterprise known as the Federal Reserve. And, of course, there are uh, revolving doors between the Federal Reserve and the, uh, the Secretary of the Treasury's office uh, in the current bogus administration. Uh, there is, is such an incestuous relationship that goes on uh, between government and the private banking cabal uh, that, of course, it is, it is horrific. It is dreadful. The consequences are uh, felt in every conceivable nook and cranny of our nation and of our life today. Uh, so we have this problem whereby the enemies of truth, the forces of evil, have limitless financial resources to hire a mercenary force in every strata of our existence to do their bidding. And of course, when you are the paymaster, paying people handsomely to execute and carry out your directives and your orders, it is quite easy to maintain a, an impressive level of compliance with your policies simply by virtue of the fact that people want to continue to receive those large uh, payments, those large installments in the form of salaries or uh, various types of stipends that they receive. It's a very, very vast and intricate uh, setup and set of circumstances that enables this to go forward. And again, the, the, the financial sums, they number in the trillions. Now, people often mistake the George Soroses and the, uh, the billionaires, the Warren Buffetts and the Bill Gateses and the Jeff Bezoses and these people, they mistake them for being the, the true power brokers when in fact they are middlemen, they're conduits. They deal in hundreds of billions. But the real power uh, behind the throne are those who deal in hundreds or thousands of trillions, those who deal in astronomical sums that are scarcely comprehensible to the human mind. And so again, these forces, and, and they are the Ephesians six twelve forces. Uh, remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. This is who we're truly uh, fighting against, and they are other dimensional even, many of them. But uh, again, getting back to our, our primary point, they have unlimited funding to continue to foment all of the sophisticated deception and mischief, and so many of our people either fall for it directly, like the QAnon people who were there with their zip ties uh, in a, a delusional state, sadly, believing that, that things were going to happen on that day uh, that would be a fulfillment of the, the cryptic and the uh, mysterious messages that they had been digesting and receiving for many, many, many months. They thought that this was going to be the culmination. This was going to be that moment that everybody had been savoring and licking their chops in anticipation of when they were going to be able to put those zip ties on these traitorous politicians and, and uh, lead them to where they would then be transferred to Guantanamo and stand before military tribunals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And remember, this is a cyclical phenomenon too, this, this game that is played by the, the enemy, by the elite of duping and leading patriotic people into believing 
in these scenarios of supposed white hat good guys deeply embedded within the intelligence community and within the deep state who are at some point in time going to act in unison and they're going to jerk a knot in the head of the forces of evil and they're going to establish some semblance or modicum of of justice throughout the system. This is a pipe dream. This is pie in the sky. This is fantasy, uh, illusion, delusion material. And it's sad that people fall for it. But the reason they do is because in their heart they yearn for these types of solutions, these simple answers to complex problems. It's the same reason that children like uh, watching Superman or other superheroes. It's, It's fun to believe that somebody who represents this external, larger-than-life force is going to uh, ride in on the white horse and solve all the problems. This is the reason that that there is such a a personality uh, cult that surrounds Donald Trump. Now, again, Donald Trump is, compared to Hillary, compared to Biden, compared to Obama, Donald Trump, of course, is light years more preferable. Donald Trump says so many things that are right on the money that hit the bullseye of the target. Now, he says a lot of things that don't even hit the target at all, much less the bullseye. But he does say a lot of things that do hit the bullseye. And compared to the mediocrity and the abject evil that that he is the antithesis of on the political spectrum, uh, he, of course, again, is light years preferable. But at the same time, there is a personality cult that surrounds Donald Trump. I've seen it, witnessed it uh, with my own eyes. There are people who think that Donald Trump Uh, can do no wrong, that he hung the moon, as the old saying goes, that he, you know, is just simply uh, somebody who is ordained by God, uh, destined to lead the nation out of bondage. And it is sad that people believe this because Trump, uh, if you examine and if you really look deep into his own background and his own rise to the status that enabled him to successfully run for president, you see a lot of troubling Uh, landmarks along that road. You see him being refinanced uh, repeatedly by the international banking cabal. You see that, uh, again, uh, in a plurality of instances. You see somebody who is pro-Zionist to an extraordinary degree. Uh, You see somebody who, in his own family, has relationships. Now, one could argue, well, Donald Trump doesn't have any control over who his daughter marries. But the fact that, that Donald Trump is, is so comfortable with uh, the uh, people uh, that his children uh, have married, and uh, especially someone such as Jared Kushner, uh, this is a troubling red flag in the profile of Donald Trump. Other troubling uh, red flags in the profile of Donald Trump would be his own uh, prominence in the entertainment in- industry. Because, again, you don't get to... Uh, be the star of popular programs in the entertainment world if you are not somehow approved from on high in the superstructure that runs and controls that realm. I'm talking about the entertainment industry, Hollywood, television, now, of course, all of the the aspects of the entertainment realm that are... uh, presented through the uh, internet and, and through this technology that now is, is uh, gradually but very, very certainly supplanting uh, the more traditional 
modalities of, of entertainment. So again, Donald Trump has been allowed to, to star in and be uh, a figure of, of, of great importance in the entertainment world. And before he became unpopular through his political endeavors, remember he was fawned upon and he was smiled upon propitiously by people in all sectors and in all quarters. Now, of course, he always had his feuds going on with the Rosie O'Donnells and the Bill Mars, but that just burnished his credentials even more because the people that he feuded with, they were polarizing figures themselves. Granted, they had and continue to have in some respects, especially Bill Maher. They have a following, a loyal following of their own, but overwhelmingly, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, Bill Maher, these type people are, are very polarizing. So Donald Trump has troubling aspects of his own profile, his own ascension uh, to prominence and power that any rational, logical, deep-thinking person would recognize, okay, look, there's a real good possibility that Donald Trump is controlled opposition, plain and simple. There's a very good possibility that instead of, as you know, has been told, uh, Donald Trump languished over the decision, you know, whether to run for president and went to Ireland and spent time at, you know, one of his facilities there, wringing his hands and languishing over this decision, there's a good chance that instead of that being true, you know, that sounds good. That's a good uh, type of narrative to augment and fortify the personality cult to make everybody think, wow, this guy really is the real deal. You know, he's God's ordained messenger for the time or the, the political leader that is going to protect God's people and maybe even lead us out of bondage, restore the lawful republic, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard all of the, the suppositions. But in truth and in reality, this is probably the way it went. It was probably more of a brotherhood of the bell type scenario uh, where Donald Trump was simply told, this is what you are going to do because this is what is in the globalist script. It's in the globalist script for us to now have a seemingly populist type president in America who will do several things. Number one, he will give false hope uh, to a great, very, very vast number of people. Uh, he will also be a mechanism whereby the evil power can comprehensively identify somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or 30 million people who are the very ones that need to be neutralized, many of them in fact eliminated, in order for a smoother transition to take place in America into the full-blown globalist system. Trump, of course, largely appealed to uh, the over-the-hill set, you know, in terms of, of chronology, in terms of age, very popular among the baby boomer uh, realm. The young people, of course, who have, many of them have even grown up in a post-9-11 world. They've never known anything other than a, a Department of Homeland Security, a TSA at the airport, uh, a Patriot Act uh, type legal system, you know, that has eviscerated the Bill of Rights. The people who have never known anything other than that, they're not going to be that difficult to lead into the full-blown New World Order. Uh, they, you know, would tend to go along more readily and quickly with wearing masks and 
social distancing and sheltering in place and all of this UN-generated nonsense that is part and parcel of the phony pandemic. But the older people, the baby boomers, those who have known liberty in their life, are far less inclined to just simply give up those precious liberties unless they have a leadership figure who is playing both ends against the middle, basically, working both sides of the fence, uh, professing on the one hand to be in favor of all of the things that they, the, the baby boomers, believe in that harken back to a day when, when we enjoyed such freedom and liberty, while at the same time doing the bidding of the globalist United Nations by declaring the state of emergency, by uh, continuing to keep the likes of Dr. Fauci in his position, by uh, continuing to uh, practice uh, policies towards the implementation of uh, Operation Warp Speed, etc., etc., etc. In other words, Donald Trump, in many respects, has been nothing but an individual committed to the ongoing party line of the globalist superstructure, while at the same time uh, seemingly defying and going against certain of those globalist policies. But once again, if you're going to be a good controlled opposition leader, you have to give the audience that you appeal to enough of what they are craving and desiring and yearning for to solidify their loyalty and support, but at the same time, of course, in the things that really matter and where it really counts, continuing to do the bidding of the globalist power. When Donald Trump did exit the office of the presidency, the pardons that were issued were very telling. Uh, people such as Schaefer Cox or uh, even people such as the, the poor individuals that were being already at that point mercilessly persecuted by the, the Department of Justice. He didn't pardon those people, but instead pardoned a, a list of people who arguably were uh, in no way representative of his core support base, but instead uh, were people who who you would have thought uh, might have been on the receiving end of pardons from a, a president of the Democratic Party instead. So we have all of these evidences, all of these telltale indicators that inform us that no matter how much we would like to indulge in and engage in wishful thinking, that the overwhelming likelihood is that Donald Trump is nothing more than controlled opposition strategically and cleverly placed in the presidency at the time that the globalist forces deemed to be the appropriate time to have a charismatic leadership figure of his type sitting in the titular position of president of the United States. And we see, of course, that, that the power that is so effortless, effortlessly wielded by Democratic administrations in terms of exerting control over the Justice Department, that that power was completely absent with Trump. If Trump ever even remotely intimated uh, that the Justice Department should do something favorable to his professed ideology, he was immediately, of course, savaged by a partisan-controlled media 
that sought to portray what he was advocating for as corruption, as borderline treasonous type activity. While an Obama Justice Department under an Eric Holder can be totally and completely biased and partisan and nothing more than an extension of the power of the Oval Office, the supposed power. Now, of course, those of us who are well-studied into the machinations of the shadow government, as we used to call it, uh, we know that presidents aren't really running the country, are they? The president isn't really running the country. Now, it's not as extreme as what was portrayed in the movie Dave, where this guy who was just a, a lookalike or a body double for the president, all of a sudden, he is thrust into the role of actually playing the president when the real president dies. And then, of course, the, the humorous little twist to the movie is that Dave decides, hey, I'm going to really be the president. And he starts trying to run the show. And then, of course, he very quickly is confronted by the handlers. Now, again, movies like that, or even movies like The Brotherhood of the Bell that I alluded to, that was a made-for-TV movie uh, back in the 1970s, I believe, with Glenn Ford. It would be interesting for you to obtain a copy of that or watch it on Netflix or something. The Brotherhood of the Bell, or Dave, these movies like this, they, they stop far short of really hardcore truth. They don't get into the esoteric dimension of Ephesians 6.12 and, and how uh, those beings that are other-dimensional are really running the show. But they do portray a reality that is quite different than what the public fancies it to be. And in that respect, they are useful, uh, they are useful tools to, to help people understand that what they are observing, what they are looking at, is not really the true nature of things. And so again, we have this dichotomy where we have to be firmly grounded in our understanding of Scripture, while at the same time being on top of current events, but being sufficiently grounded in our biblical foundations and understanding that we can't be schnookered, we can't be bamboozled, we can't be deceived as though we were naive little gullible children. And of course, this, this requires not only a diligent pursuit of biblical studies, but also it requires discernment. It requires something that, that maybe is more of an endowment than anything else, the, the ability via the Spirit of God to discern, to make proper judgments. Many people, of course, they in their Christian faith, they, they just simply believe that, that they are on the receiving end of divine revelations and they believe that they have been given a prophetic word of knowledge or something of that nature. And, and in their minds, they're sincere, but in their minds, this somehow justifies them being able to take a shortcut, to be able to do an end run around what Paul told Timothy to do when he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, folks, there's no shortcuts. There's no end runs around following the instructions of that passage of Scripture. We have to have a solid, proper foundation so that we won't be deceived, so that we won't be misled. 
And of course, there are reasons that our wise founding fathers put in the Constitution age requirements for people to hold certain offices. A president, for instance, had to be at least 30. Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we read, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Yes, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will enable us to be able to discern, to understand, to be able to delineate between what is worthy of our belief in and participation in and that which might be a deceitful effort to subvert us. And there is no substitute for diligent study of the Word of God. There's simply no substitute. Psalm uh, 119.11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And so as we seek to understand and be able to decipher and interpret the current events and the affairs that are swirling around us on the national, international, or even the local level, it is imperative that we have this foundation of understanding in the Word of God. And if we do, then, then we can... We can see the facilitation of and the existence of that proper interplay between eternal, divine, foundational truth and, once again, the events of the world transpiring around us that we need to be dealing with, navigating, and, of course, properly responding to. If we don't become proficient in this art form, then uh, many amongst our ranks will continue to be led down the primrose path of deception. Many will continue to be duped. They'll be they continue to be drawn into circumstances and situations that can be exploited by the enemies of truth and by the architects of our ultimate destruction. And so in a preventative sense, we must be doing everything within our power uh, to keep this from being uh, the governing or the uh, predominant reality uh, surrounding us. Now, it is very negative right now to, to consider what is happening in our once great republic. The enemy's plan is going on unabated. It is advancing, not necessarily at breakneck speed, because the plan of the enemy is not to do things at breakneck speed. But it is nevertheless advancing methodically, in a calculated way, in a, a certain manner. Despite all of the cumulative and collective efforts of properly motivated, right-thinking people, the enemy's plan, nevertheless, is moving forward in a, in a way with clockwork precision. And even the things that are done by the right-thinking people, namely like 
showing up at the nation's capital, a million strong, even those seemingly good accomplishments of right-thinking people are almost effortlessly diverted toward the benefit and the advantage of the forces of evil. And how does this happen? Well, again, it happens because they are looking ahead. First of all, they have their Trojan horses planted within the ranks of the otherwise good people, their controlled opposition leaders. They have them positioned to be gatekeepers, to be an impediment to people moving beyond a certain level of knowledge and truth and understanding. And of course, also to be the masters of the tactical circumstances that are representative of of the strategies and the methodologies of our people. Again, a Donald Trump not taking the steps that he could have taken, not using executive orders, which of course in general executive orders are not a good thing, but in a world where executive orders are part of the equation, a president such as Trump should have done certain things via executive order simply as a counterbalance to the debilitated, debilitating and destructive uh, policies that have been used to bring us to the, the brink of complete subjugation. But the controlled opposition leader, of course, in these type of hypothetical scenarios such as what I'm talking about in the abstract right now, they wouldn't do the right thing, would they? Because, again, that's not why they have been allowed to ascend to the position, the pinnacle of power that they supposedly are occupying. So, again, we have this ironic and this dichotomous situation where we want the vivid and the robust expressions of the activism and the activities of our people coming together, such as they did on January 6th, a million strong in D.C., but the enemy so effortlessly and easily seems to be able to use even that energy to drive further nails in our coffin lid, such as what they're now doing in the wake of January 6th, with the legislation that is coming down the pike uh, to target supposed domestic terrorism, which, of course, is a euphemistic reference to Trump supporters and right-wing type people and Christians, et cetera, et cetera, pro-life, pro-gun, all of the, the the boxes on the checklist can be checked off. Yes, that otherwise really momentous, Uh, historically significant event of a million people coming to D.C. to stand for what was right, to stand for the truth, that is now being effortlessly translated into a de facto bonanza for the enemies of truth. (laughs) They're using it uh, to implement the largest investigation in the history of the Justice Department. And by the way, the plan, evidently the FBI has already announced that they anticipate in excess of 10,000 people to ultimately be charged criminally. Uh, I personally know somebody who wasn't even there in D.C. on that day, but has been contacted four times by the FBI 
uh, asking and, and probing. Because people who weren't even there are being criminally charged uh, for supposedly helping to, to plan and orchestrate the insurrection via methods designed to incite people to violence. Now, what we're dealing with here, of course, is if, if there had really been something that has come to be known as McCarthyism, if it had really existed, McCarthyism, what we're looking at now would be McCarthyism on steroids, exponentially multiplied uh, to the 10th power at least. And of course, you notice I say if there had really been McCarthyism, if we uh, dust off our relatively recent uh, history sources, we find out that Senator McCarthy himself was massively vilified and exploited and turned into a byword, his very name, uh, falsely. He was accused falsely and has been accused falsely, and now his name is synonymous with tactics that are in no way representative of what he actually did in his attempt to root out subversive forces from within our own government. But what's happening today, emanating from the, the left end of the spectrum, is so vastly beyond what was ever even attributed to or laid at the feet of, of Senator McCarthy that, again, it, it's an exponential multiplication of that. And it goes on unabated without being questioned, basically, by the dominant sources of communication and the disbursement of information in our nation and in our world today. And so we find ourselves painted into a corner, precariously with our backs to the wall. We're looking at, in the not-too-distant future, we're looking at some, some exceedingly ominous developments. The medical dictatorship is like nothing that we, we could have imagined uh, 40 or 50 years ago, un unless we were already privy to, at that time in our life, the plans that were already established in the realm of world government, in the inner sanctum of globalism and the United Nations. Of course, anybody who, uh, who would have been up to speed on that type of activity going on at the end of World War II would be so old now that they would be obviously in the twilight of their, their existence, the twilight of their very life, but those of us who aren't quite that old but are old enough to remember the Cold War and, and many of the things that were happening in the not-too-distant aftermath of World War II, uh, we have been able, of course, to, to do our due diligence and go back retroactively and study and decipher and unravel what has gone on, the conspiracies, the treason uh, that has led us up to this point. And it is alarming that we are now on the eve of the realization of some of the most horrific plans that the architects of world government set in motion 70 years ago or more, 100 years ago. And it is happening before our very eyes. And again, there are so many people that constitute a large percentage of the population who just simply don't know any better. They're so young that they don't understand. They don't know and they don't know that they don't know. Like I was saying earlier, the architects of our republic, they said a man had to be 35 to be president because 
it would be terrible for a younger person without the benefit of, of experience up to that level uh, to occupy that office. The founding fathers, of course, even said for a senator, U.S. senator, they had to be 30, and for a congressman, they had to be 25. These were probably, if, if they were to do what they did today, uh, what they did back in the late 1700s, namely bring forth this constitutional republic, they would probably, in today's climate and world, they would make those ages older. They would probably uh, make uh, make it uh, 45 years for president and you know, maybe uh, 35 or 40 for senator. Back in the, the time of our founding fathers, uh, people grew up uh, and matured more quickly. They had to deal with the harshness of survival in a world that was not uh, as much based and, and rooted upon technological innovations that, that make it so much easier and tend to spoil people. But at any rate, that's a digression. We are at this perilous moment where we are witnessing certain things coming to fruition that are dreadful and horrific in their implications. The vaccine. It's arguable that receiving that vaccine can actually alter one's very state of being. Now, of course, with God, all things are possible. God can shield and protect us, even if we are forced uh, into some type of uh, highly undesirable set of circumstances. God can put a hedge of protection around us. But by and large, and of course, the reason that, that the receiving of the vaccine at this stage of the game is voluntary is that the satanic force that wants to vaccinate everybody with this witch's brew uh, that, that uh, comprises and makes up this vaccine, they want it to be voluntary. They want people to consciously and willfully choose to receive that poison needle and all of the strange and, and unknown and, and potentially uh, Luciferian implications of receiving that, that shot, that vaccine. The DNA of the the aborted uh, baby boy from 1966, the year that Rosemary's Baby uh, premiered at the cinema. The first movie in, in the genre of productions that depict the ability of Lucifer to spawn and sire offspring in a union with, with a human, with an earthly woman. What's in the vaccine? Of course, the the secrecy that everything is shrouded in today is in and of itself sufficient reason and motivation for comprehensive resistance to the evil plan that is being foisted upon us. But the vaccine is dreadful in its implications. I can't imagine in my mind ever willfully receiving such as this vaccine, something such as this vaccine. Of course, vaccines in general, in my opinion, are uh, something to be studiously and uh, determinedly avoided by any right-thinking person. And of course, there are many people who want to be apologists for vaccines in general, but just want to point a finger of indictment against this vaccine. I think that, again, the term anti-vaxxer is another one of these pejorative terms that has been coined to try to stigmatize people who, who really are correct in their overall train of thought concerning a given subject. And, of course, to call someone a denier, uh, to, again, call somebody a birther or a truther. 
these are all tactics, an anti-vaxxer. These are tactics uh, to try to intimidate people into conformity and submission. Well, again, the vaccine is just prima facie illustration, an example of, of something so odious and dreadful that we're facing right now that it, it causes chills to go up and down our spine. A cashless society, we're a hair's breadth away from that. And of course, the technologies today that make cryptocurrency possible and the blockchain technology, all of this is part and parcel of what is leading up to a cashless society. What better way to completely control people than to take away cash? and force every transaction that would be deemed to be legitimate and legal to be conducted through a mechanism that that could be analyzed meticulously and surveilled in an ongoing manner. And of course, also what we're facing in terms of the GMOs and the patented seeds of Monsanto and the chemtrails, everything that's being done to completely control the food production of our modern world. We know that Bill Gates supposedly is now the largest farmland owner in America, and Ted Turner already owned massive tracts of land, and the the Chinese, the communist Chinese, of course, uh, have quietly been taking over uh, massive swaths of land in our own nation. Why? Would you ever want to allow foreign people to own land in your nation? Is this not just basic 101 common sense that foreigners should not be able to own land in your nation and especially communist Chinese foreigners? And yet we have sat by passively now for generations allowing these destructive policies to remain intact in our nation. We have allowed our precious inheritance to be subverted and squandered, and now we are on the verge of losing everything. Well, in closing, I want to return to a theme that I am very, very inclined toward. I believe that it has to be foundational in our moving forward. Forget a solution at the national level. There is none. You can't make a silk purse out of that sow's ear. Remember D.C. Street Sorcery. Check that out. Our nation's capital is hopelessly corrupted. Now, I would love nothing more than to see a miraculous turnaround. With God, all things are possible. But that's the only way it would happen. By a divine, miraculous, sweeping act of God. I would shudder to think what, what might be required. I don't even, want to, don't even want to talk about it. But instead of thinking that there's a solution to be had or that we can avail ourselves of at the national level, let's focus with laser-type precision at the local field of, of interest or concern. 
You know, the enemy, they say, think globally, act locally. Well, they're right about act locally. Act locally. Now, we can think globally in terms of, of biblical and divine precepts and principles, but when it comes to hands-on activism, what we should be doing to begin to lay hold of and take dominion of the resources that God has entrusted to us, it has to be at the local level. Now, I'm going to uh, give you some contact information now, as I customarily do, because anybody who might want to write an old-fashioned letter, anybody who want, might want to make an old-fashioned phone call, or uh, anybody who wants to use email, we welcome your communication. P.O. Box 274, Etowah, E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331. That's a mailing address you can use. Or you can call 423 area code 241-7902. Or you can email to Voice of Liberty. And that's Voice of Liberty 1776 at gmail.com. Voice of Liberty 1776 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And welcome. Any form of communication. We must seek out and avail ourselves of opportunities to interface with and align ourselves with and work with fellow members of the remnant of the God of Scripture. Because in the days ahead, when everything, for all intents and purposes, is going to hell in a handbasket, when everything is spinning out of control, we must be ready to potentially form a pocket of resistance to the overarching tyrannical construct that is being erected around us. It is the way of our God to use what seems to be, in a worldly context, the minuscule, the insignificant, the unlikely. It's his way to use that as the instrumentality of delivering a death blow to the evil force that he, our God, might be purposing at any given time to deal with in a harsh and judging manner. And he does that. We know that our God, he's a, a God of vengeance as well as a God of mercy and, and love. He's a God who hates certain things and certain forces and certain beings. He is a God who will extract vengeance at the absolute, perfect, appropriate time in the unfolding of his plan for the ages. And so again, we must be doing everything within our comparatively minuscule power to, pre to prepare ourselves, to position ourselves, to be used of the God of Israel, the God of Scripture. Of course, our lives have been all about preparation, many of us. Sadly, many people squander the precious gift of time. But for those who understand the importance of truth, and the urgency of the moment in time that we are presently living in. 
it is very much in our interest to consecrate all that we possess, our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor as the founding fathers did, all consecrated to the objective and purpose of striking a meaningful blow against the forces of evil in the days ahead as we watch and witness the plan of our God unfolding around us. Now, remember, it's always darkest before the dawn, as that saying goes. And there is truth to that that old axiom that it's darkest before the dawn. So, in that respect, the fact that we are seeing unprecedented evil as far as, as what we've ever witnessed in our lifetimes, the fact that we're seeing that, that is actually a good sign in terms of of the possibility that the God of Scripture may be preparing to unleash a torrent of corrective uh, type opposition to this evil power. And we could very well conceivably uh, be on the front line of that type of expression by the God of Scripture, that expression of abhorrence uh, toward things that are evil. We know in the, the prophet Isaiah, Uh, We read where Isaiah, in the fifth chapter, said, Woe unto them, woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them. Isaiah said, the scripture says. And so the God of scripture, he is very, very much intent on dealing and delivering a proper blow of vengeance and correction and remonstration to those who are the architects of evil. And we, again, it behooves us to be preparing to position ourselves to be his battle axes, his strike force. So again, the local undertaking and objective is what we need to focus on. And we'll be talking about that a lot more, God willing, in the days ahead. And I look forward to it. It's not an easy uh, road ahead of us. In fact, it's the opposite. It's, It's exceedingly difficult and complicated. But by his grace, by his power, we can, in fact, be on the receiving end of momentous and unprecedented blessings in our time, those types of blessings and expressions of divine power that we only heretofore have read about in Scripture. Join with us, I I encourage you, in the days ahead as we talk about the strategies that would be fitting for the people of God in a time such as this. Until next time, this is Rick Tyler saying God bless you and goodbye. We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, exposed tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them. Time of their birth, the right to speak. Better.